Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. China Perspective. Money FM 89.3. It is now time to take a look at some headlines coming out of China. And on the line to help us out this afternoon is Chong Jia Yan, who is Associate Professor of Political Science, NUS and non-resident scholar, Carnegie China. Ian, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? All right, Ian, let's start off with a couple of headlines. So starting off with this one, uh, that always gets attention. Two Chinese balloons flying across the sensitive median line separating Taiwan from China. The second time was reported as sighting this month. What do we know about this uh, new balloon case so far? So we don't know actually very much, but we do know that those balloons are used for surveillance. And certainly, I think with Taiwan's efforts to bolster its own defense capability, the PRC side has a lot of reason to find out what uh, the Taiwan side is up to, uh, and hence the floating of those balloons over Taiwan. Didn't they test these balloons over the U.S. some time ago? Uh, this is very rare for Taiwan, though, to see these kinds of balloon appearing there. So if it's sending any kind of message, what kind of message is it sending? So I think it is to send a signal that the PRC is watching, but I think we also have to take note of the fact that these balloons have appeared before. It's just that the Taiwan side has previously not been uh, disclosing. Okay. And so I part of the older sort of uh, thinking was to not alarm the public, mm-hmm. but I think with the earlier from late last year earlier this year, the Taiwan side has changed their tack. They decided to let the public know to keep them apprised of what is going on and potential uh, risks that are coming from the other side of the Taiwan Strait. Uh, it's quite interesting as well because Taiwan's heading into a presidential election. Is it too much to speculate that this might have something to do with it? I think we could make a reasonable um, guess that this, I mean, the Chinese don't disclose what they're doing, but it's a reasonable guess that the PRC side wants to send a signal to the Taiwan electorate that they are watching to not make a wrong vote. However, the PRC side will want to be a little bit careful. In the past, when they've done saber rattling, it's moved the Taiwan electorate to really vote against the PRC. Okay. Well, with the elections coming out or coming uh, soon and definitely being closely watched, right? How will the results impact presidency and China's ambition for uh, unification? So I don't think they will fundamentally change State Chairman Xi's desire to con- exert control over Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So what it will affect is approach. So if it is DPP presidency, like we've seen before, that is tends to be more skeptical PRC overtures. The pressure will be, I think, more direct. If it's a matter of a KMT presidency, one that is more a lot, you know, more friendly to towards Beijing, that's more PRC aligned. Mm-hmm. I think the effort will be get the government, the administration to accept uh, PRC arrangements, but at the risk of some blowback from the population, as we've seen in 2014. And if it's a TPP presidency, which is a possibility, then we might get a situation where the PRC would want to, you know, also get the, the TPP president to, you know, accept some sort of arrangement and perhaps one that he, because he has a tendency to flip-flop, one that he has trouble get, um, moving back from without political cost. At any rate, there will be pressure. Yeah, for sure. Any chance you could run us through the candidates uh, or the likely candidates? So there are two electoral races going at the same time. There's the presidential race, which I think gets most of the attention. Yeah. And uh, the main parties running are the Democratic Progressive Party, the current uh, incumbent. Their um, candidates are the current vice president, Lai and the former ambassador, de facto ambassador to the U.S., Xiao Meijin. 
And then on the KMT side, there is Ho Yi, who is a former uh, police chief. And then his running mate is Zhao Cao Kang, who is known for very sort of pro-Beijing conservative views uh, and is a sort of media personality. Mm. Um, and then on the, the KMT is the sort of previous ruling uh, Kuomintang. And then the Taiwan People's Party, which is a new uh, party trying to be a third force, um, they are running uh, Ke Wenzhe, who was former mayor of Taipei. And his running mate is someone by the name of Wu Xinying, who is the daughter, uh, who is basically a scion of this uh, large conglomerate, the Xinguang conglomerate uh, in Taiwan. All right, Professor, let's talk about this very interesting uh, perspective here. President Xi is on a mission to outshine the legacy of Deng Xiaoping. Now, Deng Xiaoping, of course, paved the way for Hong Kong's handover to China. So if he's going to try to outshine Mr. Deng here, what is he going to do in terms of reunification with Taiwan? So, yeah, so I guess Xi Jinping has said on many occasions that he you know, can't put off uh, unification or control over Taiwan. But Taiwan is in a fundamentally different position, which makes that proposition a lot more difficult to achieve. So Hong Kong was a colonial holding. Basically, the handover of Hong Kong was a deal between the former colonial power, Britain, uh, and, and Beijing. Taiwan is self-ruling. Uh, so whatever arrangement that has to happen will have to occur with negotiation with Taiwan authorities. And the Taiwan authorities are democratically elected. Therefore, it would, they would need the consent of the Taiwan public. So that, uh, for one thing, would be quite different, um, unless she is willing to use force. That's something that is, I think, quite costly for him and the PRC as well. So I guess his what he's trying to do is try to create a, a impression for the Taiwanese public that they have no other option. But being self-ruling, being quite a, a well-to-do economy themselves, they do realize that they have options and they're trying to develop them. So that's going to be the back and forth between the two sides of the strait for a while to come, I believe. All right. Ian, let's uh, take a look at some of the top headlines out of China for this year, 2023. What's for you? What is the biggest headline to come out of China just to start things off for the year? Well, uh, yeah, so <laughs> because of what I watch, I think uh, the disappearance of ministers. Uh huh. Yeah. Disappearance of ministers. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. What about, I mean, are we going to expect more disappearing ministers, more heavy handed dealing with certain. Uh, high-profile people in China as well, as we've seen in 2023, as we move on to 2024. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, basically, the point is that she's the boss. He does what he wants. Mm. If there are people who, even if he had handpicked them, he believes they're not no longer up for the job or finds that they are implicated in something he does not like, he will remove them. And, and what's also interesting to watch is that there's, he's not challenged. That there's no sort of voice saying, well, hang on a minute, maybe we should do things a bit differently. That really shows that, you know, he runs the show. I mean, you can see this with the sudden lifting of COVID-0 mm-hmm. um, after so, so long. So I think what we're looking at for over 2023 is really a demonstration of Xi's authority that's likely to continue in 2024, although that authority, strong as it is, uh, will really have to contend with China's structural economic problems. So the youth unemployment, the slowing economy, and the high debt, and also the uh, oversupply of housing. So yeah. he would have to deal with all of that. So you foresee the uh, lack of post-COVID bounds to continue to pressure presidency in 2024? 
So I, right. So I think it takes some pain for them to overcome, but I'm not sure that even she is willing to uh, endure that at the moment. Okay. Um, because if you that problem, it's been passed around for quite a long time already. All right. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for this hour, Professor. Professor Jung Ah Yen from the Political Science NUS and non-resident scholar at Carnegie China. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg. Or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O. Audio at the App Store and Google Play.